the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We have a wonderful Hanukkah show for you today in this half hour of the show. We'll be speaking with Rabbi Baruch Cohen, of local fame, who has written a new book I strongly recommend, Think Outside the Locks. I'm a terrific punster, and this is a great, just the, even the title, it's Don't Judge, <laughs> it says on the cover, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, but this one you could. It's got a really sumptuous picture of a bagel and locks, and uh, we'll talk to Rabbi Cohen about that. We've got Hanukkah music sprinkled throughout the show. We'll be talking about the portion of the week is the portion of Miketz, which is found in the book of Genesis chapter 39 and following. But we're not going to be talking about that. We'll be talking about Hanukkah. We have a Hanukkah story at the end, of course. What else? Why don't we just uh, go right to Rabbi Baruch Cohen. How are you today, Rabbi Baruch? <laughs> thank God. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank God. Thank you for asking. Uh, happy Hanukkah to you and to all of the listeners. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, I really like this book that you've written, Think Outside the Locks. Thank you. Like, like with everything else, the first question I usually ask authors is, what made you feel that this book was necessary to be published? We've got, you know, thank God there's like oh, close to a million books on Judaism out there now. And, right. And what do we need one more for? That is a great uh, question. Um Two things. The first is the main one. Uh, the second was sort of the push it over the edge. Um, these were essays written uh, while I was working in what the people call outreach, trying to 
um, connect an assimilated audience, um, um, maybe even an alienated audience, um, trying to connect spirituality of Torah and Judaism. So the essays were written with that in mind to break down stereotypes, to put it in a, I'll call it a more modern language, um, without losing any of the essence and any of the inspiration. Um, so that was part one. Then part two was uh, we subsequently moved to Oak Park, which is a more orthodox, quote-unquote, neighborhood. Um, and my son suggested printing out one of the essays. I had compiled them all together. They were originally written as weekly emails or a blog. Or um, I had compiled them into one giant 300-page document, and my son suggested printing one out for the local shul, which I started doing. And to my pleasant surprise, the uh, people here also loved them. So I said, well, if this audience over here loves it, and this audience over there loves it, and they're very r radically different audiences in terms of um, education, perspective, backgrounds, whatever, um, there may be something here that, uh, that makes this writing different and unique. So that was, that was really the... I'll call it rationale, though that's not quite the right word. And the push over the edge was that my father passed away just about a year ago. We're coming to his first short site. And um, at that point, I was already starting to look for publishers, but that was like, all right, now I want to dedicate this to my father because so much of what he gave me is in the book. Um, and uh, so that's... That's that. It's, it's different in that it's creative essays, even though it's organized somewhat according to the Jewish Torah reading cycle and calendar year. Um, they're really self-standing, as far as I'm concerned, uh, essays. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, now, so my, my Bubby of Blessed Memory would refer to Jews that were, I suppose you could call the official title or whatever the uh, sociological title would be, cultural Jews. She called them lox and bagel Jews, that they didn't do anything. But Sunday morning, they all went down to the bagel place and they bought a half a dozen bagels and a half, right. a, pound, a, half a pound of Nova and some cream cheese. And that was, that was their Judaism. Was that the impetus behind your title, Think Outside the Box? <laughs> Um, not exactly. I mean, bagels and locks, obviously, not necessarily this uh, crowd of of uh, Sunday morning uh, bagel and locks eaters. Okay, so explain uh, the title then for us, please, Boracco. The title actually came to my well, the title is somewhat obvious in terms of the connection of the pun. Um, I originally used it for a brochure. Uh, pro programming brochure at one point. Um, quickly uh, checked to see if it was in use. Uh, there was some, somebody made a t-shirt with this title on it, but that was it. So it pretty much seems to be an open phrase, in other words, available for use. So that that's where it got into my head. And then when I started to print out these weekly 
essays for the local school. So I put on top of that piece of paper, think outside the lock. Uh, conceptually, it has to do with your first question, which is that this book is different. In other words, it's, it's not um, it's not like much of what you'll find on the bookshelves of the English sections of the Jewish bookstores. Um, I have a background in writing. I have a background in watching David Letterman, Johnny Carson. Um, I was heading to graduate school for creative writing when I uh, decided instead to go to yeshiva. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of uniqueness to it. I would say the style is unique. Um, there's a lot of like uh, quirky references, cultural references, which led to many humorous exchanges with the publisher and editors. Um, uh, there's humor in it. Uh, there's I would. Uh, there's a lot of Jewish spiritual thought in there, um, and in that way, uh, as you know from Torah, gives us a, a lot of good understanding of psychology of how to be a better person, how to grow, how to do the right things, and so. Um, how to be happy. Um, so this is all part of it. Okay, thank you. Our guest today is Rabbi Baruch Cohen. He has written a book called Think Outside the Locks, A Fresh Perspective on Jewish Teachings and Traditions. It is published by Mosaic Press. Okay, so tell us, uh, how much do you think your your background, having been raised in a non-religious environment, I'm assuming you're raised in a non-religious environment, had yeah. in the way your outlook in approaching these essays is, I didn't count how many of the essays there are. They're short. They're about a page, page and a half each. And there's probably at least 50. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, how did how did your, your background uh, affect how you approached the subject matter for all these essays, Boris Cohen? Um, completely. <laughs> Actually, as I was writing it, uh, or not writing, excuse me, as I was editing, putting it, organizing, and thinking about my father, uh, uh, there was a lot of this activity that took place shortly after he passed. I realized how much of uh, what he had invested in me um, and, and, and the different, um, different um, tours I went on uh, during life. Um, different stages uh, all actually kind of came to a fruition, although I hesitate to use that word because I'm, I'm hoping there may be another book one day, um, but it uh, came to fruition here. So um, the understanding of what it means to, mm, to – not know what Torah really is. And this could apply to anybody. Uh, not just somebody who didn't get a yeshiva education. Sometimes you can have a yeshiva education and in some cases miss some of the point of what Torah is. Um, so this ability to sort of uh, 
see it from the outside and and no questions, lack of understanding I had, um, what turned me off or made me think, um, gave me misconceptions. Um, so in a way, I was able to address those things, and I felt I had an understanding of the potential reader uh, who who may not have had much exposure, or again, even if they had a a quantity of exposure, it uh, wasn't necessarily exposure to the, the, the soulfulness of Thora. In addition to that, there's the whole writing part. I mean, um, I was thinking to myself, if he asked me what's this book about, like, what am I going to answer? But so I, I'm, I'm, people don't know me out there, so I have to preface and say, I, I'm not saying this as a self-congratulatory uh, thing, but the book is entertaining, and people enjoy it very much. Uh, <coughs> people have been sending us some feedback, us being the other members of the family who are on social media, which is not me, um, photos of the book in bookstores or photos of them reading the book with a cup of coffee and saying already in the acknowledgments page, they've already had a couple of chuckles. Uh, so um, I didn't hold back in terms of if I need to re- refer to a cultural reference as an illustration to uh, sneak in a line from a pop song or a scene from a movie to help illustrate the spirituality. Again, not not to uh, wasn't doing movie reviews, but it was it all was woven into the conversation of the particular essay. And so, and then the writing, uh, the the fact that I had spent almost thirty years pursuing. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> When I was a young adult, up to the age of about 28, um, I was pursuing a writing career and therefore um, therefore developed an understanding of writing. I'm not sure I want to call it a talent, but uh, but um, so yeah. So so in a way, that is what makes the book outside the law. The fact that my background is such, and then combining that with it, I went into a outreach career, and I don't like that term, but that's the catch-all phrase, the the one word that uh, I think people understand what you're saying. Um, in other words, Jewish education to areas where there wasn't much Jewish education happening. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Okay, good. Okay, so you mentioned before that your father had a big influence, and much of the material is because of your father's influence. Could you explain how that was? Because, after all, you're a Hasidic rabbi, and your father wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, the um, I included some of the values that he taught us um, he was a person of integrity, a person who taught us there's a, such a, there's a difference between right and wrong. Um, but uh, more specifically here, uh, first of all, he used the word investment as opposed to influence. Influence-wise, he literally 
taught us how to have a sense of humor, how to see life through that lens of how to laugh at oneself, which, if you think about it, is really the flip side of the concept of humility, which is so fundamental to to uh, Jewish learning and Jewish spirituality. Um, but he invested in us, us being my two brothers and I. So educationally, whatever we were pursuing, he he backed us. He supported it. If we if we wanted to do it and we thought it would make us happy, he he fully invested in that, and it's financially a, um, but also by being dad, you know. So um, he was the one who sponsored. My college education, um, he sponsored my chief education also. So, um, so it was that, uh, I'll call it even luxury, to go to a liberal arts college, if that word still exists, liberal arts. Um, and thereafter to pursue a writing career and to go to a, to a fiction writing um, a graduate program, which I again I did not finish. I I dropped out to go to yeshiva, but that's the kind of investment I'm talking about um, in the education and uh, a certain menschlichkeit that he sort of represented himself, integrity, and uh, and he had a great sense of humor. Um, and um, and when a parent passes, a person begins to realize how much of that of who they are is because of who the parents are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's. I hear you have a. I can hear that you have a tremendous respect and uh, for your for your dad of blessed memory. It's coming. Through. Yeah, it's only grown, only grown over time. Okay, so now there's there's some books that it's kind of easy. You can just you know what to do with it. Like if it's like a long chapter book, you just sit down, you read each chapter one after the other. If it's a book about the portion of the week, so every week you read another little piece. Your book, again, being outside the box, quite literally, doesn't fit into either mold. So how are you expecting people to approach reading Think outside the box. Do you want people to just sit down and read the whole thing all at once? Do you want people to like put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up? What What was your idea when you put it together? This is a great question because the, how to organize it was a huge issue at the beginning when I first had to play around. Um, it it could have been organized according to topic. It could have been organized according to let's call it character traits. Uh, marriage or kindness could have been organized according to Abraham, uh, Moshe. Uh, um, I ultimately decided that the, pardon the expression, five books of Moses was the best way. And then the ones that didn't quite fit into that uh, are in a, a, a sixth section called uh, Good Times, something like that. Um, 
Back of the book, it says that they can be read on their own or according to the weekly readings and daily holidays. Now, honestly, I have a funny feeling that people are going to pick it up and just start and just read, keep going. That's really what uh, my sense in the early going and my sense of even myself just picking it up. Um, um, to you know, somebody who's reading the Torah, the weekly reading, wants to know, wants to read an essay on that, has a little bit of detective work uh, because I did not indicate um, which Torah reading it goes with. But just for example, we recently had uh, Yaakov last week sending out his malachim, <coughs> angels, ahead of him to greet his brother. So there's an essay called An Army of Angels. Um, Hanukkah is easier. It's called Special Times, the last section. And you're reading along, and his happy days are here again. There's an essay, Dancing in Circles, What You See is What You Get. And that doesn't sound like Hanukkah yet. Jewish junkie, and that doesn't sound like Hanukkah. The inner candle, the inner candle. Oh, that looks like Hanukkah. Maybe the other miraculous fire, Plato's menorah. That's got to be. That's definitely got to be Hanukkah. So, um, so it can be done. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I maybe. My my son was talking to me about this. Why didn't you just put Harsha's? the name of the Torah reading by the, but you know what, it's, the thing with essays is the more clutter it has, the, the, it, 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 the clutter clutters up the writing. So I, I minimized, I minimized. But if somebody is following the Torah reading, I think with um, a little bit of uh, imagination and just uh, once they find the Parsha, then it pretty much goes along. The other thing is, it's easy to write. You know, you can have like four essays on on Abraham, and then you hit like uh, all the sacrifices and offerings in Baikra, and it's like, well, well, wait a minute. There's far essays available for for that book, for that section of the Torah. So um, things are spread out a little bit in that way. So yeah, yeah, it's a great question. The uh, the, the the answer is, I think either way works. Okay. They they are meant to be standalone. They they do reference generally the hook, or uh, as they called it in the newspaper business, the lead. Um, will have something to do with a given Torah reading or Torah personality or holiday. Okay, our guest again today is Rabbi Baruch Cohen, who has written a book called Think Outside the Locks, A Fresh Perspective on Jewish Teachings and Traditions, published by Mosaica Press. I have a, a question. This is this is really ph- philosophical and may turn the conversation like totally like 90 degrees from where we've been up to now. That was my major, by the way. Philosophy? Yeah. Okay. Good. So this is philosophy of writing. Okay. So uh, everybody who uh, was uh, not raised in a religious home remembers the Dick Van Dyke show. I'm sure you remember the Dick Van Dyke show. Yes, I do. Okay. So I saw a an interview with Dick Van Dyke, and he he commented 
We didn't put in any cultural references because we wanted the show to be funny to people that were be, like, say, later on, that might not appreciate a cultural reference, meaning some kind of current event or some kind of uh, specific song that somebody, say, 20 or 30 years later, and then those were written, uh, those are early 60s, and they're still very funny. I'm wondering, when you talk about cultural references, did you think that maybe that in, like, say, two or three generations, maybe 10 years or so, that you'll people will be reading this and say, I think I have to ask my grandfather what this is talking about, or what is what is this? I don't recognize this. Another great question. These are all the issues that came up uh, as I was going through this. Not only are these references not relevant I shouldn't say that. Not all these references not to current cultural things. The, my cultural um, observing observing of culture, being involved, whatever, uh, ended in the mid to late 80s. When I went to Yeshiva, I stopped following. I don't think I missed anything, by the way, but I stopped following anything. So all the references not only after we're about 30, 30 years from today, is they're already we're already 30 years past my cultural references. So, um, by the way, you mentioned the publisher, the publisher Mosaic, unbelievable, unbelievable. The design they did, the editing they did, but they also do a thorough, they do a thorough editing, which is why I wanted to use them and was thrilled when they accepted the manuscript. They, uh, the first round was, uh, I forget what they call it, a content edit, they call it. And I can't tell you how many times he had put dated reference, dated reference, dated reference. Okay, so that's now what? So first of all, there's, there's Google. So anybody who's really interested can just Google something. Second of all, experience was in putting them out in shul here that the people that really liked them ranged from a 25-year-old guy learning in a Hasidic kolel, a guy who grew up Hasidic, he would maybe come over to me and say, what does this mean? But it didn't diminish at all from what he got in the essay. Another big supporter in terms of encouragement um, is a 40-something venture capitalist, or venture investor, whatever they call that. Um, very successful, very successful person. Uh, and he didn't know these references, and it did not diminish in the least his enjoyment uh, of, the, of the writing. So that convinced me that it really didn't matter. And then there's the... Uh, that's... The other part of it is the references are used in a way either that they just kind of sneak in and you don't notice exactly, um, or they're minimum. They just less a little bump on the road, you know, not even like a Michigan pothole, the less of a bump. Um, and then there's people who are a little older who might recognize the references. Um, and for them, it'll just be uh, more fun. Cool. So I, my, I have found that they have, you're 100%, the question is 100%, a good question, and it was all part of what went into sh- hammering this into shape. 
to get it into book form. Um, and I could only go in my sense and what people were telling me and what I was seeing. And um, I actually thought in my head, I didn't actually say this to them, but uh, I was going to say to the editors <laughs> that you should see all the references you missed because they, they, <laughs> questioned, they, they questioned the propriety of some of the... Uh, or the appropriateness of some of the, not that it's totally clean book, don't get the wrong idea. But like I mentioned GQ magazine, and I don't know, there was some problem with that. I don't know why. Um, but uh, so, yeah. So gotcha. no, 30 years from now, who knows? But uh, I don't know if anybody will know what a book is at that point. But, we'll worry about it then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it. Our guest today has been Rabbi Borah. Cohen has written a book, Think Outside, the Locks, a fresh perspective on Jewish teaching and traditions by Mosaic Press. We actually, we're going to have Jewish Ferndale. We're going to have a bagel and locks brunch on January the 7th at 11 a.m. And Rabbi Cohen will be reading selections and discussing and doing a book signing. So you can sign up for that at the uh, Jewish Ferndale website, which is www jewishferndale.com coincidentally enough we didn't post it yet because we just came up with this last night and everybody just said wouldn't it be a good idea and everybody said yeah it'd be a good idea so it's out there we've put it out into the universe and it will uh it'll be and i'm just noticing now i'm running my hands over the cover and i'm noticing that the sesame bagel is texturized oh, on the that's cover. right <laughs> Yes, right. You've got to get the sesame seeds there. Okay, good. Thank you so much for coming on. We wish you continued Thank success. Thank you. Rebecca. I really appreciate it. Really, really, really. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Don't go away. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Fimmon, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. This is the Hanukkah Show. And what would a Hanukkah show on the Jewish Hour be without an acapella parody? I don't think this is a parody. I think it actually says in the liner notes that this is original, so it's not a parody of anything. But it certainly sounds like a parody. This is the Maccabees. It's called We're Still Here. Am Yisrael Chai, Israel, the nation Israel lives. And let's listen. It's just for you. History of ages, history unfolds. One people, the unlikeliest of stories ever told. Tiniest of nations, casting light into the dark. Empires have risen. 
And that was the U.S. Marching Band, Hanukkah Klezmer. I hope you like that. Up next, for your listening pleasure, we haven't played something from Philip Nanamworth, oh, must be easily 20 years. and But he's, he actually sent me this, and I believe it's new. It might be not new. It might be from his archives, and he just landed to circulate around, let people know, hey, I'm still here. But it worked. And uh, he's he's uh, he's definitely worth listening to. I I love Philip Nanamworth, and we're actually now in negotiations trying to get him to come to Michigan to do a concert. We'll keep you in mind, and we'll keep you up to date on developments with that. This song is called "Be a Menorah," and I could explain what it's about, but you could listen to the song and be entertained, and then you'll know what it's about. Let's listen. From very reliable sources Encountered along the way I've learned the secret Of how to keep That Hanukkah spirit With you every day Oh, be a menorah Light the world around you With your smile a menorah Let kindness be the highlight of your style Everyone's a special candlestick With a flame that's burning with their personal shtick Your soul is a candle, so kindle that wick Be a menorah and light up the world tonight Be a menorah Celebrate the fact That you're alive Can I know horror After all that you've been through You still survive And when your temper's hot And set to boil Because your day was tough And filled with toil Remember the olives get crushed to give pure oil. Oh, be a menorah and light up the world tonight. Enjoy life's dreidels and the latkes, but leave some room for dessert. Give lots of guilt to the children. Jelly donut, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt. Be an explorer. Enjoy this crazy universe. Enjoy. Go ahead, enjoy it. Don't be a schnorrer. Don't hot folks nishkin shinek and annoy. Each branch of the menorah is different. That's what makes a Torah so bright Be a menorah Every senor and senora Do the horror Wouldn't hurt to study some Torah Don't forget to water the flora If it's cold, share your angora Be a menorah And light up the world tonight 
Anybody got a light? Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion of this week is a portion of Me Kate's. It's the coming up to the uh, the crescendo. The crescendo is in next week's partial, which we'll have to talk about next week because it'll be after Hanukkah. Of Joseph meets Pharaoh, and the brothers come, and the whole inter- intersection between the two, the conflict between the two brothers. And it's real good Bible story, and I suggest you go check it out because we're going to be talking about Hanukkah. There's a very couple of interesting lines in that Philip Nanamworth song, Be a Menorah. The first one I want to talk about is he says that you have to crush the oil. You have to crush the olives in order for the oil to come out. Now, I don't know if you've ever, you've ever seen a fresh olive, but every once in a while, there were stores in uh in oak park where they would bring in i'm not even sure what months it was when they were in season but they would have this like bin of fresh olives and i for the life of me could not fathom how do you get oil out of this marble i would take this thing and i would like i would squeeze it no moisture whatsoever it was like a rock I would take two of them and like smash them together with all my strength. I'm not a weak person. Smash. Nothing. Because what do they have to do is they have to put these things in like a press. And this is like it's a huge vice. And they're just like these olives are there's there's nothing left of the olive once they start once they press the olive oil out of them. It's just because that's what they have to do. They have to really just like smash these things into a tiny pulp. <coughs> so he, he, as the, the, the line in the song is, is listen, you know, uh, it's not all latkes and donuts and dreidels out there. People have to sometimes get their oil crushed. And that's, that's how if you want to get the oil, you have to uh, you have to get the olives crushed. So. But the point is, so what is, what's the analogy, is there are things that are going to happen. Things are going to be tough. People are going to have situations. What makes a situation a problem? We do. So I tell people all the time, listen, there's a serious situation you have to address all the time. And if you don't address it, you are going to die. And that is, you have to breathe around 20 times a minute. You have to inhale and exhale 20 times a minute. And for the vast majority of the human race, it's not a problem. But if you don't do it, you're going to die. Wait, that sounds like really hard, but we don't make it a problem. I mean, I understand people with respiratory diseases, these things, so it's for them, it's like every breath. But normal Joe, Joe human, to breathe... No big deal. They're breathing 20 times a minute. So it's the same thing with everything else that we construe. Something comes at us. What makes it a problem? We make it a problem. 
understanding without that problem that at the end of it, you get oil. And there's a way of crushing the oil so you don't even get any sediment. So you get pure, extra virgin, extra, extra virgin olive oil, which when you light it is a white light that just burns so clear, leaves no residue, no sediment, no nothing. Because it's gone through that process. So understand, okay, it's not a problem. It's a situation. Something, I got it, something came. I have to deal with it. I'll deal with it. And when, however it comes out at the end, that's the way it comes out. Okay, this is, this is the, what the, the line says. And that's really what the, the Maccabees were doing. Look what they had to face. They were, there, there weren't many Maccabees. This is the Jewish army that was fighting against the world's superpower, the great Greek army. And there were dozens of Maccabees. That's it. Maybe several hundred. And they didn't look at it as a problem. They didn't say, woe is us, you know, uh, how could a lot of people did. A lot of people just said the Greeks are too big. They want us to assimilate into their culture. They want us to Hellenize, to become Greek, Greekified. Well, it's okay. We'll do it. They're, you know, it beats the alternative. Comes to the Maccabees and they said, no. No, 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 no. We didn't come this far. We th- th- At that point, they had gotten the Torah, say, uh, 1,500 years prior. We didn't get the Torah 1,500 years ago just to, to come to this point to say that the Greeks are better. No. This is, this is where we are now. <clears throat> and they rallied. And they were successful. And they beat the pants off the, the Greeks. The Greeks were stodgy. That's really what the problem was. You try to fight, I mentioned this last week, try to go through mountain passes on elephants. It doesn't really work. Mountain elephants like big, flat surfaces. They're not into climbing up rock faces, no. So it's really easy to deal with an elephant. You just throw a boulder down. The elephant gets lost, loses its balance, and goes crashing down the mountain. I have Rahmanus on the elephant, not on the stupid Greek who was trying to get this elephant to go through a mountain. So they were able to vanquish them. Now they had another problem. The Greeks had defiled the temple. They had to clean it up. Was it a problem? Doesn't even mention it. No, they went in, and it just says there wasn't any oil to be found. They found a jar of oil. God said, listen, if you're going to put some forth effort, I'll I'll meet you halfway. I'll give you a jar of oil. Okay, so now they had to think. I mentioned this again last week. Do we start and stop? Because there's only enough for one. That's all we got is one. So it's going to take seven days to get the next oil in. Do we wait for maybe six days and we'll light and then continue? No. no. We got what we got. This is what we're given. This is what God dealt us. And we're going to do with what God gave us. We're not going to try to go A+. We're going to deal because all God asks of us is all that we can do. And this is true for everybody. The only thing that God asks of you is only what you can do. Nobody's asking you to grind down mountains and fill in the oceans. We're asked to do one baby step. And so they did a baby step. And God said, oh, you started? I'll take over. And, of course, then the oil, the story is the oil lasted for eight days. 
So this is the deal with Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the, one of the translations of the word Hanukkah, means to rededicate. Which you think, wait, didn't we do that on Rosh Hashanah? Yeah, it's every once in a while you need to just touch base. It's like you have a little, little kid, a toddler. Okay, so the toddler is like going out and exploring. He's doing his own thing. But every once in a while, it's just like, huh, where's mom? And runs back to mom, gives mom a touch. And it's like, everything's okay? Yeah, 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 good, good. And then the toddler runs off again. So that's what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah is like our touch with the Almighty. So we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, we can get this to the next one. Which the next one's like Purim or Tuba Shvat, whatever you'd like to call the next one. And that's, uh, <laughs> we wish everybody then a happy Hanukkah and bring more light into the world, as the saying goes. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back with an amazing story. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Show. Want to get in touch with me? Go to RabbiFinman.com. You can get in touch with me. You can listen to archived editions of the show. You can see other things in which how we present Judaism in an entertaining and educational way. You can also check out the donations page. It's December, folks. You got 2023 coming to an end. You're going to have to do your taxes soon. You're going to have to show the IRS, Uncle Sam, how much charity you gave. So maybe you're kind of lacking a little bit. Well, the Jewish Hour is part of a larger umbrella group, which does lots and lots and lots of good things around the, the greater Detroit area and in, and in cyberspace. So uh, consider a tax-deductible gift, too the Jewish Hour, which can be made at RabbiFinman.com. Coming up this week on December the 14th, Thursday night, is the Jewish Ferndale Annual Hanukkah Menorah Lighting. That's at 6 o'clock. We, of course, will be addressed by uh, local dignitaries. We'll have live music, latkes, donuts, uh, things to do for the kids to keep them busy for an hour or so. It'll be a fun time and come out. That's Thursday, 6 o'clock. And uh, December 24th, the other next big thing we're doing, December 24th at 6 p.m. is Chinese Food Buffet and Film Night. And these are all posted to the Jewish Ferndale website, www.jewishferndale.com. Okay, so the scene, it's 1777. George Washington is Valley Forge. He's walking around. It's freezing. His soldiers are wearing rags. They're huddled around little cans of whatever, which have fires in them, trying to keep warm. And he notices that there's this person who has a 
uh, some sort of a candle thing going on with two candles burning. And uh, he comes over to the guy, and the person stands to attention and says, uh, what's, what's the meaning of this? What is this? So he responded, um, yes, sir, I'm, I'm Jewish, and tonight is the night of Hanukkah. And he, the soldier explained to George Washington the whole story of Hanukkah, how against all odds a small, unprepared, unequipped army beat back the world's great superpower, and there wasn't enough oil to last for one day, last for eight days, and God took care of their needs. And George Washington thought for a second and thanked him. And then later, George Washington gave the order on December 25th, it was the next day, to cross the Delaware and to take out the Brits, who had them outnumbered and out-equipped and out-everything. And they weren't supposed to win that battle, but they won that battle. After the war, 1780-whatever-it-was, 83-84, so this soldier who, unfortunately, as much as I looked around the Internet, the story does appear in different places around the Internet. So it there's a good possibility it's an urban legend, and it's a good possibility it could be true, but there's no soldier's name mentioned. So this person is sitting at his home in Boston, and here's a knock at the door. And there's two uh, very dignified people looking. They ask him, are you so-and-so? And he says, yes. And so they, they come to attention. They salute him. And one of them presents him with a velvet box. And he says, what's this? It's, a, it's the Medal of Honor presented by George Washington. And it comes with a letter. And he said, no, that you, private so-and-so, I was ready. I was thinking there was no way that I could possibly defeat the, the British soldiers. And I was preparing the next day to surrender. But when I heard your story, it encouraged me. And today we are free from British tyranny. That's the story. That's the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a happy, happy Hanukkah. Don't overdo it on the donuts. We hope to see you again next week. Take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>